Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi friends. Today's topic is one I've wanted to address for a while because the question of what's the difference between life and recovery coaching and a 12-step program like Alcoholics Anonymous comes up a lot. When women or men are thinking of quitting drinking, I know there's often preconceived notions about what AA is as well as confusion about what exactly life coaching is and how coaching can help someone stop drinking, get unstuck, and move forward with their lives. I've wanted to address this topic, but I know it's a sensitive one, so I wanted to find the right guest to bring on to have this conversation. In my work, most of my clients don't attend 12-step meetings. While a few continue to go to AA and others have gone in the past and don't currently, In my experience, there are many paths to recovery, including AA, and I believe that if you have a problem with alcohol or drugs and you want to stop drinking or drugging, anything that helps you achieve that goal is positive. I also believe that most of us need layers of support and that support can come from different sources, 
philosophies, practices, and approaches. I've invited my guest, Dennis Berry, to have this conversation with me because he's not only a skilled life coach who's passionate about the benefits of coaching, but is also in recovery and found recovery in AA, and for many years was an active participant in the program. He both sees all the benefits of 12-step programs and the differences between AA and coaching. A few weeks ago, Dennis and I had a long conversation about the benefits and synergies of both approaches, as well as where the work in AA stops and often coaching begins, and the work that is to be done after you stop drinking and look forward to what you want in your life after alcohol and the concept of independence and sobriety. Dennis is a life coach based in Colorado who's been working with people recovering from addiction worldwide for over 15 years. He's been in recovery from drug abuse for 17 years, which is incredible, since 2003. And his recovery has helped him find his mission in life, which is to help others on their journey through sobriety and achieve inner peace and success in every area of their lives. Dennis is also the host of the Funky Brain podcast, which is terrific and you should check out. And I know you're going to love him. So Dennis, welcome to the Hello Someday podcast. Thanks, Casey. I'm excited for our talk today. Great topic. Yeah, it's an, it's an important one because there's so much confusion around it. And when we touch base, I know that you had so many great insights and energy around it. So I'm just going to throw it to you in the beginning. What do you see as the big difference between AA and life or recovery coaching? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> It's hard to cover it all in yeah. just a short podcast because there's so much, there's good and bad to both. And you said something in the intro that's really important. If you find something that's working for you, like keep doing that. And, uh, you know, we all grow at different levels and, um, you know, sometimes we grow in different directions, you know, or we can grow at the same rate, but in different directions. So some things work for some people and some don't. And, you know, I just think it's important to find something that works for you. If you're, doing a AA or life coaching or any other type of rehab or something, it's because life's not going well. You know, like something's really messed up and uh, I need to change something because I'm in enough pain now to make changes. So I also tell people, some of my clients like go to meetings, you know, because I think there is benefit there. It's a great intro to life because I didn't know how to do life on my own. So I went to AA in the beginning. I went to a rehab and it was AA 12 step recovery program based. And so while I was there for 30 days, they taught us about AA and uh, I went to AA meetings and it was like, you know what? Well, I was dying before I came here and now I feel better and I'm confused. And this place gives me some solace, you know, and there's a bunch of like-minded people that understand what I'm going through. So that's great. Like go to AA and I went for a really long time. In the first probably seven years, I was involved in all the programs, the volunteering. I did all the service work, all the assemblies, the conventions, the meetings on Saturday nights, like all that stuff. And it was really awesome. You know, in my opinion, the best part about AA is the fellowship. You know, true friends that even to this day, I still consider family. And that's awesome because before my friends were like killing me. <laughs> you know, with drugs and alcohol. So that's great. And then even up until, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was really going on a regular basis. And then what happened was I realized that 
I wasn't growing beyond a certain level. And that's where coaching comes in. You know, it's like, in my experience, what it is. And again, I have longtime, lifelong friends that I call family that continue to go and, and I continue to call them on it on a regular basis, somewhat regular basis to check in or if things get messed up and I need somebody to talk to. Like that's growth, that's maturity, calling somebody when things aren't going well, try to get a different perspective on life. And um, what I realized one day though, was like one, I became dependent on AA. You know, I would get like in fear, insecurity, anger, whatever it was that was going on in my life. And I'm like, I have to go to a meeting. And instead of learning how to feel my way through it and process feelings and thoughts and grow to the next level, the other piece of the puzzle was that I wasn't growing and changing. Like I want to change. You know, I okay, you know, they're like, here's what's wrong. You're an alcoholic. These are your behaviors, your resentments, your fears. These are the things that's wrong with you. Keep coming back or you're going to go drink again. I want to know, okay, well, I'll keep coming back. But what do I do to change those behaviors? And that's where coaching comes in. I think that one of the things I love about coaching, um, especially recovery coaching, is because in my mind, you go to a coach because you're stuck. There is something you want to achieve in your life that you haven't been able to do on your own. And so I think of it as sort of a personal trainer or nutritionist or anyone else who's looking at you are somewhere in your life and you need connection, accountability, resources, encouragement, guidance, and someone to hold your hand and meet with you and and keep you to those goals that you stated were important in your life before the rest of your life got in your way. And when people come to you because they want to stop drinking or when people come to me, typically it's not that they haven't tried to moderate. They have. They've gotten to the point where they're like, okay, I love to drink. I don't want to stop drinking. And yet it is not working for me. And I'm sort of throwing in the towel and I need help. And one of the things I like about coaching, like you said, is that you get to work with the person about how to process those emotions and growth. So when something happens, when they typically would turn towards a drink, they get to actually develop better coping tools to deal with it. And AA is one way to do that. And I know it helps a lot of people. I actually went to AA when I first was trying to quit drinking. Um, I went for about four or five months. I got a year, but it is very structured in its approach. It is to some extent with the 12 steps, the answers are go to the meeting, do the 12 steps, turn it over to the higher power. You can talk to this more than I can make your amends, do your inventory and keep coming back. As opposed to sometimes for every single person, there's a different motivation. There's a different limiting belief. There are different challenges in their lives and approach to boundaries. And that's what coaching helps you explore. Yeah. Well, and great stuff, like everything you just said. And the accountability, I think, is is the biggest piece there. And um yeah, and it's like, and, and ha- having a coach here to hold your feet to the fire and help you clearly define your goals and then work towards them. And AA just really doesn't do stuff like that. They stick to that structure of this program. This is the program. It's been, it's 80 years old, hasn't been updated, hasn't been updated or improved. This is just the way it is and the way that it was 80 years ago. And, and again, there's value there. Absolutely. 
but then let's move beyond it. Let's move, let's go to the next level. And there's no next level. There's like, it's like level 12. Yeah. You know, and then you're stuck. So one thing that I say often is like, I think that it's a good supplement to living a good life, not a substitute for living a good life and continuing to grow. It's like law of attraction, like the secret, you know, there's some value there. You should think positively throughout your life. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, put a plan together and think positively about your day, but it's not like, you know, manifesting hundred thousand dollar checks coming in and then get stoned and play Xbox all day. It's about, it's about thinking positively manifesting those types of desires and dreams and then working hard towards a goal, right? So it's a supplement for living, not a substitute for living. And AA, I think, is the same way. It's like, that's great. You should go go to some meetings, especially if you live by yourself or you're lonely or something and you need that fellowship or companionship, go to a meeting and then work on other areas of your life on how to improve your life. Don't just yeah. like go to a meeting and hang out there and talk about how the rest of the world is messed up and don't grow. So again, it's a supplement for living, not a substitute for living. I wanted to ask you about one of the things that I know that people have really struggled with in going to AA meetings. And, you know, everybody says, take what you take, what you need and leave the rest. But the concept of having to label yourself an alcoholic, right? I mean, I went to meetings and, and even though they say, the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. There certainly is a lot of pressure to walk in and say, hi, I'm Casey and I'm an alcoholic, right? If you don't say it, you get comments like you're just in denial, you know, that kind of thing. So tell me what you think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a loaded question. Well, you know, like what, like what does that term mean? Like, is it associated with like a disease? Do you think it's un- incurable? Is it a label that you want to walk around with? I mean, part of my condition is like I take things personally sometimes. So maybe I'm taking it too personally. I don't know. I mean, really, let's just like get to the root of the problem and focus on what's important, Yeah. which is my thing. You know, so people get into the, you know, you know, that's alcoholic behavior or alcoholic thinking. I don't know. I mean, it's a label. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that's a label, which is, which is a barrier. Cause I know that I don't personally, I mean, I know that I have a problem with alcohol. I believe it's addictive. I believe it on a, a spectrum, right? The elevator only goes down and it's progressive and, you know, drinking is taking me, was taking me nowhere that I wanted to go. And it is easier for me not to drink. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't fuck with alcohol anymore. I just don't screw with it. It's something that I'm taking off the table because I don't have an off switch. And yet, I don't think it's necessary for me to label myself an alcoholic. And I don't. And I think that was a big barrier for me in going to AA because you're sort of, you know, you are told to take what works and leave the rest. But there's a lot I had to leave, like, you know a lot of sitting through meetings, sort of internally having this cognitive dissonance against God and praying and the alcoholic term and, you know, disease. I mean, there was like 80% that I was trying to leave. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's good. I mean, it's good to recognize. So you have you are you're somebody that has these boundaries, and I don't want to be labeled as that. Yeah. So I'm not going to right, and and that's great. When if you can identify that, like that, you're ahead of a bunch of people that don't have that type of awareness. So that's really great. And you know what you're saying is, I am this. I'm an alcoholic, so that means I'm doomed. You know, something like that. So I totally agree with you. You're saying I again. I think I think it goes back to. Um, you know, what, what, what you said was great. Take what you want, leave the rest. So, you know what, at the end of the day, it just wasn't working for you. And so there are other solutions like what we do, which is life coaching for addiction recovery and alcoholism. So tell me about that. Tell me how you see life coaching for addiction recovery. Cause I know when I talked to you about it, I was like, yes, right on. I feel the same way. Right. Well, it's a, just a, it's a different approach. I think it's the same. It's the same, um, you know, concept is that alcohol and drugs or food or sex or shopping or whatever. That's not my problem. It's part of the problem. But my pro- it's what I'm using to cope with my problem, which is, you know, my thinking. It's my lack of coping skills that I never you know, learned along the way. So I need to get to the root of what the problem is. Like I drink because I'm insecure, fearful, angry, resentful. Um, so let's get to the root of the problem and then let's correct that behavior. Yeah. Let's get into our subconscious minds. So, you know, our conscious minds, let's get into some coaching terms now. This is fun stuff. So our conscious minds say, this is my to-do list. These are my goals. This is what I want to accomplish in life. This is what I'm going to do. And my subconscious mind says, let's go get a beer. Or let's have some chocolate cake. And let's, so our subconscious mind drives like 80 to 90% of all of our activity. And it just wants to keep us comfortable, right? It doesn't know right or wrong, good or bad. It just says, let's just hang out here. And so it keeps us unproductive. Now, our subconscious mind was programmed between the ages of zero and 18 when we're not qualified to form those types of beliefs and behaviors that are keeping us from being as productive as we want to be in our lives. Right. So in order to correct that, we need to go in and reprogram our subconscious mind. And that takes, well, it takes time, effort, commitment, and it takes daily work to, you know, to change the way that we view the world, to change our beliefs and our behaviors. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen overnight. The good news is it can happen. So when you say, I'm an alcoholic, well, yeah, maybe. Well, let's go in and find out why you're doing that type of behavior. And then let's correct that. Now, you said something that's really great. You're like, I know that when I drink, the elevator keeps going down and down. I can't safely use alcohol anymore. It doesn't work for me. Like you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. I believe that. Like I believe that you can't go in, at least for me, and it sounds like you too. Like I can't go in and safely use alcohol. It just is never going to work that way. I can't have a beer. I never had uh, anything, right? I had a eight ball and a gallon of whiskey. That's what I had. So it's just the way that my brain, it's it's kind of, my life can still be extreme like that. And it just doesn't work for me. But we can go back in there and reprogram your mind to react differently to the way that life goes. And when we do that and become more comfortable with ourselves and with our make peace with our past and yeah, go back in and, you know, make the amends, do the things that clear up our past and become comfortable with who we are today. 
then I don't need to drink anymore. And I don't want to. Yeah. And I just like kind of go through life. And then I can, now that I've taken that problem away, I can achieve my goals. I can start a business. I can have successful relationships. I can work on my health and lose that 50 pounds or whatever, because I've taken away that problem out of my life. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I always think is I love, you know, when the work I do is core energy coaching. So in my mind, like drinking, over drinking, going back to that, that is for a lot of women, a maladaptive coping strategy. And it is the knee jerk reaction that they've gone to for any emotion they have, right? Anger, frustration, you're celebrating, you want to make it more, you've been socially conditioned to do that. You believe it's required to be an adult, to have fun. And by the way, it's physically addictive as well. So, you know, you go in withdrawal when you're not. So you're constantly, if you drink daily, like I did, or even four days, you know, in between drinking, you're constantly getting the high and then the withdrawal and irritable until you get the high again, right? So it is a really tough cycle to get out of. So in my mind, the life coaching work is first to kind of help you get through like a personal trainer, right? Or the accountability of like, okay, we're not going to drink, you're going to do these things instead. Let's talk about new routines, new habits, what you can eat, what you can drink, how to break your old patterns, you know, break through some of those limiting beliefs about what life without alcohol would look like. But then once you remove it, like everybody has a reason that they drink, whether they're socially anxious, or they have imposter syndrome at work for a lot of women, or they have bad boundaries and are a people pleaser and are rightfully frustrated or resentful or feel like they have too much on their plate and yet struggle with conflict or change. So the great work is to do that underneath and to figure out like what's been holding you back from what you want to achieve, including if it's just peace, joy, happiness, feeling competent, feeling confident in life, at work, whatever it is. And working through that so that you can go after your goals and just live a happy, contented life and manage anxiety without alcohol or whatever your substance is. So that's what I love about coaching because, you know, drinking is just the symptom, right? It's the symptom of whatever's underneath. And, you know, for me, I started using it at 18 when I went to college primarily. And I'm like, oh my God, this takes away my anxiety. This makes me relax. Like I was always a busy mind, kind of stressed out, um, hypervigilant over, you know, a million things on my list. And I drank and it like took me down six level. And I was like, this is awesome. But I never figured out how to actually cope with my busy mind without alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, great stuff. And you said that's the work underneath, but I, I don't know. I can almost disagree. I think that is the work, mm. is to work on this stuff because yeah. this stuff of my thinking, the way I react to the world, that's my problem. It's my thinking. So yeah. I think that's, that's the real work. Yes, there's that physical addiction to alcohol and we need to take that away. And we have to grunt through some of that and we do it with an accountability partner. Like when I'll start working with somebody who's really fresh and really coming off of a lot of drinking, we'll meet almost every day for the first week, like five or six days a week. You know, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but just it's that accountability and that check-in. And then we have to start learning new ways to react to life, like how to, how to get through all this stuff. And 
what it comes down to is the drinking, the eating, the shopping, all this stuff. It's all distractions from feeling. Yeah. I don't feel well when, when a feeling comes in, you know, and you were, you were talking about that. It's your reaction to life. And when a feeling comes in, I, I, I had a big problem processing that. So when I was in, you know, 25, 30 years ago, when I was feeling angry or whatever, I would like punch holes in the walls. You know, that's not an adult reaction to life. Or I would yell and scream or say things to hurt people that I would have to go back and apologize for. And I hate that shit. So now I've learned to not react to life that way. And I haven't done that in a long time, so don't worry. But <laughs> I've learned to react to life in a more mature way, which at the end of the day, you know, this is all, that's what this is. This isn't a not drinking contest. It's not a not snorting cocaine or smoking weed contest. It's about growing up and being an adult and looking the world in the eye and accomplishing my goals and dreams, clearly defining what those are, working on, you know, slowly making process, not going for instant gratification and in everything that I do in life. Mm-hmm. It's about like strategically picking life apart and going after what I want to. And once I take away those harmful behaviors, I can do those things. Yeah. And it's really yeah. great. And I don't see. In my opinion, you, I just really don't think we could do it ourselves. I think it, depending on what your goals are, there's certain things you can do by yourself. Like if I don't want to eat that cake tonight, I can like do a few things on my own. I can meditate and I can, you know, uh, call somebody. I can distract myself in other healthy ways to not go in and eat that whole cake. But I think that in terms of, you know, accomplishing big goals in your life. I think we need that coach. We need that mentor and that accountability partner to help us clearly define what it is. And in my coaching practice, what I work on a lot is the one thing. At any given time, we're only working on one major goal because you were talking about earlier, I want to do all these things at the same time. And, you know, I take New Year's Eve as an example. We all have those five New Year's resolutions on our thing. And we're like, I'm going to do these no matter what. And you know what? Life goes on and I'm trying to accomplish. I have all those plates in the air. I'm trying to accomplish all of these major goals. And next New Year's Eve, those same five goals are on my New Year's Eve resolutions again. Yeah. So we need to really pick apart one goal at a time and then strategically work, you know, step by step, like make a plan to get through that stuff. And if I start drinking, I can't get any of that done. Yeah. I mean, drinking really keeps you stuck. Absolutely. And that's what it does. You're just in this groundhog day of drinking and then recovering from drinking and wanting to drink again, you know, regardless of how much you drink, like the thinking is always about that. And one thing I wanted to say, and I think this is a little bit different between men and women. Um, and I think it manifests differently also within 12 step programs. You know, you mentioned that they were, um, 85 years old, completely true. They were also written by white men for men. I mean, with a Christian, you know, religious background, regardless of the evolution is whatever you perceive God to be. But in the big book, you know, it's, there is a chapter for the wives, meaning the wives of the people in the program. And in AA, what I found was the emphasis on kind of breaking down your ego and being of service for 
for most women I coach, you know, I think it is valuable, right? It's about keeping your side of the street clean. It's about taking personal responsibility. It's about thinking outside yourself and investing in the program. And yet most women I know, their issue isn't ego. Their issue isn't that they're not enough of service to others. Their issue is that they don't have strong enough boundaries. They don't do enough self-care. They don't, their cup is empty and they go, go, go. And the only thing they need to, they're drinking to tolerate the way their life is set up. They're drinking away microaggressions and frustrations. So, you know, if you have, and I know this is true for men too, but if you have a full-time job and you've got kids and you're in charge of the commute and everything, it's not excuses, but being told to go to a meeting, you know, that sometimes is hard. And in the modern world, you can get support through virtual coaching. You can get support through podcasts and online groups where you find that fellowship that to some extent often fits better into your schedule than, you know, the answer, you know, sometimes I work with my clients and it's like, okay, you want to drink, what emotion are you feeling right now? Okay, you like, why do you want to drink? What are you trying to numb out? What are you trying to highlight? And sometimes it's overwhelm. Sometimes it's huge anxiety. Sometimes it's loneliness, frustration. And then you solve for that emotion, right? If you're feeling overwhelmed, going to a meeting is probably not number one solution that you wanna that you wanna do. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, great points. Like you're saying, a lot of the same stuff I would say. And I think it's the same thing like with religion and going to church or whatever it is it's like you know those are all great principles but i don't need to go to church to like learn those principles and apply them in my life it's the same thing with a 12-step meeting like i've been at more meetings than most thousands of meetings and it's like i know the principles now i need to apply them in my life so we can learn those principles from a coach we can learn them from other friends that we surround ourselves other successful happy healthy people how are you living that way so let me ask them and I can learn those principles in different ways. I don't need to go to a meeting. And like I said earlier, I started because I realized, and it took me years to realize this, I was dependent on meetings. So it was like, it's a cross addiction. Uh, you know, I stopped drinking, but now I'm eating a pound of chocolate every day, or I'm still smoking cigarettes. Like these are all things like you have to treat your body like that temple that it is. This is what's carrying through our lives. So if you don't start like taking care of your body, then, you know, you're going to, now you have health problems. Now you have real problems. But like these cross addictions, we're using these different outside things to deal with our insides instead of feeling them all the way through. So it can be um, an alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be chocolate. It could be cigarettes. It could be sex. It could be codependency, which is the biggest addiction in the whole world. Yes. And yeah. it could be AA meetings or shopping. You know, I mean, like, what are you doing now? I'm not saying any one of those things is necessarily wrong. In fact, like cigarettes, like tobacco used to be a ceremonious thing. Like they would have ceremonies 100 years ago and have fires and pass around a tobacco pipe and you take a hit off your pipe. But nobody died of cancer. But now we're smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. And now now that's harmful. The, the problem is always excess. Like wine isn't a problem either. It's a problem for me because I drink four bottles of wine at once. That's a problem. But, you know, if you can go to dinner and sip on a glass of wine and taste the earthy undertones, then great. You know, if it's not affecting your life. But if once it becomes, 
I'm doing this instead of feeling or instead of being responsible or instead of taking care of my health, that's a cross addiction, right? So I'm substituting feeling for chocolate or wine or cigarettes or code or a partner codependency, mm-hmm. right? And not learning how to feel and grow properly. I have a question for you. You were in the program for a long time. You said you did all the things. I occasionally hear the question, is coaching just a paid sponsor? And I know that sponsors are, their job, you know, their role is to help you go through the 12 steps, right? It's a prescribed program and they work you through those 12 steps. But have you gotten that question before and what do you say about it? Yeah, I mean... It can be like that. It depends on who your coach is and what their training is and and stuff like that. But, you know, in AA, they do AA. You know, so when you meet with your sponsor, I mean, I've sponsored hundreds of guys. I mean, I, I used to sit in coffee shops on a weekly basis and talk to guys. And you read the book. And then if you talk to old timers, we do what the book says. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Like, it, it you reach a point. And, and I know that book really well. I've read it hundreds of times. And it says, seek outside help where necessary. And so I think that there's just a point where AA stops and you need to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And now if you can get sober without AA, that's awesome. And if you feel like you need to go to AA, go to AA. But I think that, you know, what you said, that's a, that's a great question. I think that... Um, what we do as coaches is we work on a different things like, yes. All right. Let's talk about your resentments and your fear. Let's get those out. Let's get that shit out. Cause that's keeping me from growing. But now we're also going to work on changing our behavior. So let's work on some emotional regulation. So instead of yelling at my wife or my husband over and over again, you know, let's bring that out. Okay. This is my behavior. Uh, let's go through it. So last night I yelled at my wife. And this isn't true. This is hypothetical. Last night I yelled at my wife because uh, I didn't like what was for dinner. Or last night I yelled at her because of that. Or yesterday morning I yelled at her because of that. It's good to identify that. And I think in AA they're like, okay, well, it's good that you identify that. But let's change that behavior. Let's say, let's start recognizing before that happens, why are you behaving like that? And then let's start to actively change our behavior and grow grow up because learn how to react to the world differently. Actually, I don't want to react. I want to learn how to act. I want to learn how to pause and calm down and say, you know what? Now I have this awareness and alcohol is not in the way of me growing up. So how can I act differently? Why am I angry with my wife in the first place? She's great. She's putting up with me. So So before, if something's going on, Am I really mad because I didn't like what was for dinner or something that she said? Why do I feel that way? Let's talk about that. And then we can start establishing boundaries. Well, some of it is, is you getting clear, which I always think is the first step. Like when you change in a relationship, the whole relationship changes. So yes, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're resentful, but like irritated. But why do you even know what it is you want? Let's get clear on that. What does in the relationship example, what does a great, fulfilling, loving, you know, relationship, supportive relationship look like for you? 
And what can you do to achieve that, including communicating with your partner and also getting clear on what that looks like from for them? What are they not getting, you know, that they want and figuring out if there's a way to meet in the middle? I always think it is, you know, you are feeling those emotions because there's something you need that you are not getting. And all emotions are valid, but it's your responsibility to dig into it and to say, what, you know, this is sort of a, what's my part of it, but also, you know, let's, what is my solution for it? You always talk about finding solutions, like you're responsible for making yourself happy. Yes. Yeah. That's where they stop. They're like, (laughs) and I actually had a sponsor years ago and it didn't occur to me until just recently. uh, He was trying to do that with me. What was it? This is my part. This is why I was resentful. This is how it made me feel. This was my part in it. And he said, how could I have done that differently or whatever, whatever his uh, verbiage was. And this was like 15 years ago. So I don't remember it exactly, but he was trying to do that, which is great. But I was like, no, this is AA. We need to like stick to the book. And again, that's where they fall short a little bit. But as far as relationships, you know, communicating, I mean, that's a whole nother episode, podcast episode, but that's hard. You know what you said you're you're like, what am I not getting or what are you not getting? How can we meet each other there? That's a skill in its own. own. And that's an alcohol or drugs or addictions of any kind really inhibit that. I mean, it's a tough skill in the first place. You pour alcohol on top of like, I'm not, my needs aren't being met here, but I'll just drink and not have to worry about that right now. And, you know, that builds up and builds up for a year or five years or 20 years. And now you have real problems in your marriage. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like when you drink, you sort of go in your own bubble so your partner can feel lonely or ignored and and you don't want to deal with them, right? In part, that's why you're drinking. Um, so you don't have to. But I always say like alcohol doesn't, it's not a solution. It's, you know, best case, it's a pause button you wake up and the problem is still there and you do it every night, then the problem is constantly there. But in actuality, most of the time, alcohol just adds a problem to a problem. You're essentially, you have a problem and all you're doing is pouring on a hangover, a bad memory, a headache, a sick stomach to your problem. And by the way, you're exhausted now and your nerves are fried and you're defensive because you drank too much the night before. And I think a lot of women, you know, and I've seen this in my coaching, right? A lot of women, myself included, are uncomfortable with conflict, right? You're told you need to be a good girl. People need to like you. If they don't like you, you're a bitch, you're difficult, whatever it is. So you are very uncomfortable, many women, with standing up for themselves and drawing boundaries or creating conflict, even with their spouse, even with their children, to some extent, right? And so you are drowning out your fear of conflict, but then you wake up hating yourself. So you're basically self-sabotaging so that you're angry at yourself, not angry at your partner, which by the way is more comfortable because you're used to being angry at yourself, right? Your inner critic voice is well-established. So you don't even realize that you're doing that when you're doing that. You know what I mean? And that's what a coach helps to ask those questions, to dig, to be like, okay, so that happened. Why didn't you say this? Well, this reason. Well, what? tell me about that. What, what would have happened? 
and then just incrementally coaching a different behavior, a different path, and sort of holding your hand through that uncomfortableness of like, yeah, you stood up for yourself, and now you're just sitting there being uncomfortable, and yet the world didn't end, and you got the outcome you wanted, and the whole relationship is adjusting. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you just hit the nail on the head. It's hard. It's hard to do that. And you know, another thing that's important, but I was thinking about this while you were talking, is uh, it takes time to get to these realizations. Remember, we're talking about our subconscious, which may have been programmed incorrectly or or wired the wrong way for 40 years. So, you know, when it's hard to communicate and to be upfront and to say exactly how you're feeling and what you need in that moment, it's hard. Yeah. And if you've not been doing that for 40 years and not being aware of it, that's the that's the point we're getting at. And what you were just saying, you need a coach to help pull you out. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing, the flip side of that, or in addition to that, is that it might take like a month or three months to get to that realization. It's not like, oh, I'm going to meet with this coach and my whole life's going to change next week. I mean, part of it might if you take out the huge glaring alcohol problem. But, you know, it might take a month or two months or six months to realize, like, the real underlying pain that you really need to dig out and work on. And, you know, sometimes people have had experience with coaches, and I'm glad we're having this talk so people can hear this. You know, they're, they're like, I tried that coach. I tried that coaching thing. It didn't work. Well, how long did you see your coach? I don't know. It was like two or three weeks. Well, I mean, that would be great if you could just like flip everything around and change your whole life in two or three weeks. You know, we're talking about decades of rewiring that needs to be done. And we might not even see the problem for a few weeks or maybe even a few months. And, you know, it's going layers deep. Like we might realize a couple of big glaring problems right away. But then I'll I'll tell you an example about myself. It took me months of working with my coach about six months one day and I was sitting meditating in a mountain and I was reading, I bring my book with me and I'll read. And I realized I was reading this thing about self-love and self-respect and self-care. And I realized that I didn't love myself. It took about six months. Like we worked on some serious shit, went in there and we dug a lot of stuff about my past out. We, We dealt with a lot of issues I had with my you know, parents, relationships, like all kinds of stuff. And it took me six months to realize, and this is six months after decades of living, right? The wrong way. And uh, it took me six months of working with him to realize I didn't love myself. And I started crying. I was in the woods by myself. This like, you know, fit, strong, middle-aged man crying because I realized I don't love myself. And that took a long time. So, and, and it's humbling, but that's where the growth comes from. You know, and then it comes what from, did you do after that? Like you identified the problem and then you need to work to the solution. Yes. And you need to have somebody to work through it with you yeah. because you know, the subconscious mind will constantly pull us back. So we can say, all right, here's our plan. We're going to work on this and I'm going to do this by myself. And two weeks later, you're going to be like, I feel a little bit better. And I'm going to start sliding back into my old beliefs and behaviors and these limiting beliefs, like you were saying earlier, that were keeping me sick, that were keeping me unhealthy, that were keeping me from loving 
and respecting myself. Yeah. And I'll just slide right back into that behavior if I don't have an accountability partner to help keep me on top of this plan. Like I need to develop a plan. Okay, well, this is what's wrong. This is my major goal. We're going to work on loving myself now. Now I'm going to create a specific plan of action, specific steps, three or five steps, 10 steps that I'm going to work on every day, starting with prayer and meditation and eating well, loving my body, you know, eating a pound of chocolate every day isn't loving and caring for myself. Yeah. You know, it's the body, mind, and spirit. We should really be working on that on a regular basis. And it's, it's rare to have all three in perfect alignment all the time. But as long as you're aware and making an attempt to have a better life and have somebody to walk you through that together, that's great. You know, you're going to get there. Yeah. I love the idea of both the specific plan and how you work on it once you identify the issue. And it's part of digging to identify that issue. That's a huge problem. I mean, I feel like so many of the women I saw, whether or not they have an issue with alcohol. I mean, I used to work in in corporate America. um, And I think that is just a breeding ground for women who need coaching. They all go to therapy. But I think, you know, myself included, raise my hand, but like coaching would be amazing because the issue, you know, most of these women, and I'm raising my hand, right, you do everything you're supposed to do. Like you're a gold star girl, you've climbed the corporate ladder, you went to college, you graduated college, you got the first job, you, you've done everything that you've been taught through society, through your parents, through whatever, based on your cultural upbringing, will make you happy. And so at some point, midlife, right? Mid thirties, mid forties, whatever it is, they say, I've got the house, I've got the kids, I've got the partner, I've got the job and I hate my life. And you don't hate the people in your life. You, you like individual aspects and yet they wake up just trying to make it through the day. And at the end of the day, they want to, you know, basically drink themselves unconscious to not think about it. And of course you love your kids, your partner, you want to do the sports, you want to do all the things. And yet they're miserable and they, they can't figure out why they're like, you know, whether they're trapped by the golden handcuffs or they just don't take enough time for themselves or everything's black or white or they don't communicate well, whatever it is, you don't realize how much of your life hasn't been your your choice, your free will, right? Like you were passionate about something in college and then your father told you you'd never make any money, right? Or you wanted to be a doctor and your finances told you you couldn't do it. So you went down a path of something else, like whatever it is. And you're so locked in, you're scared. A, you don't even know what you want. You don't even know why you're unhappy. You think it's your commute. It's actually, you're not doing your life's work, right? Like that's the extent of the disconnect. But it's also like, I love doing coaching where you get to talk about like your core values and what you want to look back on and say that you've done and what you actually care about and what lights you up. And usually people aren't even living by their core values. They're living by the core values of their parents, society, or their boss, right? Which are so far disconnected. Like they're just, they're putting their head down and plowing through. And women ask me all the time, like, am I just supposed to suck this up for another 10 years till I can retire? And I'm like, oh, dear God, no. That is a recipe for drinking to forget about your life. Don't suck it up for another decade. Like, take incremental steps to do what lights you up. Absolutely. Yeah. And what you're talking about is the mass consciousness. Right? So we follow 
you were talking about is like, are your goals and dreams your goals and dreams? Yeah. Or were those were your goals and dreams predetermined for you by your clan? <laughs> you know, your parents or your neighborhood or the TV commercials you're watching that are telling you this is the way, this is the path you need to take. This is if you want to be happy and successful, like the pictures that we're showing you on this commercial, take this path. And, you know, and they show somebody who's perfect and fit and healthy with the kids playing in the playground. And then they take that path to get there because that's what's going to bring that inner peace and success. And then they realize that, and, you know, most of them don't make it, which is, which is another topic, because most, you're talking about the woman or the man, whoever, that makes it to the top, that climbs the corporate ladder, that has the house, the car, the kids, and is like happy or, you know, seemingly happy and has all the stuff. That's still like the 5%. There's yeah. still or 10%. There's still the 90% that, that never make it that far or past mediocre. And they're the ones laying in bed with the covers over their head in the morning, scared to get out of bed because they're trying to fit in. They're failing, right? So what I say, are your goals your goals or are they somebody else's goals idea of what you're supposed to be doing with your life? And I would say if they're not your goals, one, it's hard for you to even determine that because you've been conditioned for decades to believe those are your goals, right? But we need to find out what feeds your soul. What makes you want to get out and hit the floor and be smiling and put your arms up in the air? We need to figure that out. And it's in most cases, people don't know because you for 30 years, you were conditioned to say, you have to go get this job and sit in traffic and get here and make, you know, the 80,000 or 120,000, whatever it is that you need to make to pay for your life in suburbia and have the, the car. So let's figure out what it is that feeds your soul. And then let's start working on that. Yeah. And, and investing your time, money and energy in those goals that will actually make you happy. And the other thing that I love what you're saying is so many of us unconsciously are using fear-based goals. We are trying to achieve a goal to not have an outcome that we don't want. We're scared of something. We're trying to protect ourselves from embarrassment or getting our ego hurt or financial ruin or scarcity or whatever it is, you know, losing love. But it is the hope and dream-based goals that are what lift you up and energize you and move you forward. So if you can identify not what you're afraid of losing, but your hopes and what you want, there is such a different energy to that that really propels you forward. And yet I know for years I was operating out of fear. Like I was living my life out of fear, out of what I didn't want, out of I better work hard so I don't get fired or laid off and therefore I'll have no money and therefore I'll never get a job again. I mean, you're like worst case scenario catastrophizing, which is probably why I drank, right? (laughs) And, you know, instead of that, you know, looking forward and saying, here's what I want and I have positive energy around it and reprogramming your thoughts to believe you're, you're worthy of it, you're capable of it, you know, looking at what you're doing well versus what you're doing poorly and actually having a plan to achieve it. I mean, that's what's powerful. I love that. And, you know, well, I love, first of all, that, you know, those, those hope based goals. And that's a such a great, that's a good use of the law of attraction, right? That's positive thinking. 
with action, along with action, but living in that frame and not living in fear-based goals. The other thing I want to run by your get your people that are listening to this is like, you know, it's scary. Once you find your life's purpose, the, that thing that feeds your soul that you want to do, okay, I recognize I don't belong in corporate America. I don't want to be there. And there's some people that thrive on it. I'm not, I'm not shooting that down. There's some people that could drink wine. You know, it's like, it's okay. But if it's not you, which mo- it's mostly not, I would say most of the population is not you. It's what we've been fed into. If it's scary for you to go out and start your own business because you might fail and you might lose a couple years, one or two or five years, is that scary? Is that scarier than spending the next 20 or 30 years doing something you hate doing every morning just to try to get by? Which is scarier? Is it scarier to go after your goals and dreams and hopes of being happy and fulfilled every day? for a couple of years, there's going to be definitely some risk. You're going to be going against the grain. People are going to try to push you back and get in line and do what you're supposed to be doing. Or isn't it scary to do for 20 or 30 more years what you hate doing? That to me is way scarier. Yeah. And I think that the other thing is, and I, um, you know, it doesn't have to be black and white, right? It doesn't have to be all or nothing because I think that is what's scary. And you also have to look at the underlying assumptions and limiting beliefs that may not be true, right? I will never make as much money as I do in corporate if I go do what I love. That's a limiting belief. That's an assumption. It may or may not be true, but it's probably not true. You know, and you can work to make a change in that belief is, you know, my job is actually more secure if I go do on my own because I'm building something for myself and my income isn't going to be limited by corporate policy, right? That's a different belief. And one is energizing and one is not. And also just, you know, I call them following divine breadcrumbs. Like something lights you up. You, you know, I wanted to go to coaching school. I was in corporate. I wasn't sure I wanted to leave. You know, I was just like, I want to do this. And I figured out the vacation days and the money and all the things. And, you know, but then I had to like propose it to my husband, which is ridiculous, right? Like I make my own money. I'm 40 years old. I, you know, whatever. And he said to me, you know, babe, at some point you're allowed to pursue personal development just because you want to. And I think that's, I didn't need his permission, but it helped me. And the question is getting yourself that permission without having someone tell you because a lot of spouses are resistant. But realizing I've worked for 20 years or 10 years or whatever, I'm allowed to take some of my time, energy, and money to pursue something that, that feeds my soul. And you know, we don't even give ourselves permission to do that. And that's what I love about coaching too, because it really is an investment in shifting your thinking and in coping skills and in, you know, that will serve you for the rest of your life. Like the goal is not to be in coaching forever. The goal is to get uncover enough and gain enough skills that you can self-coach in the future, right? You're going to become, like you said, independent. You know, if you're dependent on going to meetings, that's one thing, you know, you want to evolve in addition to that, right? But you also don't want to become dependent on a therapist or a coach. The goal is self-sufficiency and self-coaching and moving forward in a fulfilled, happy way where you're able to navigate the world 
Yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. We did talk about that last time, but it, it's the same thing. Like if what you're saying with AA is, uh, you know, keep coming back or you're going to go drink again and probably die. So if I told you that and I'm charging $100 an hour for you to talk to me, I'm going to say you have to keep coming and paying me. Otherwise, you're going to go drink and die. So the idea is for me to say, you know, you don't need to live like that. You know, let's work on you being independent and recognizing your own harmful beliefs and behaviors, reversing those so you don't have to react to life situations. And then, you know, if you want to come back and talk, let's talk about it in the future. But you, I want you to become independent. That's why, like with coaching, you'll notice we have you do homework. And we, I ask a lot of questions so you can find the answers yourself. And, you know, if it's called an answer coach. If I sit here and tell you all the answers to your problems, then yeah. you're going to be dependent on me. And if you fail, you're going to blame me for failing. I ask a lot of questions. It's like leading you to water and learning, teaching you how to get through this stuff by on your own. And uh, so coaching is just, it's such a different tool. It's so valuable. And I, in my opinion, I think every single person in the world should have a coach and a mentor. Not, not just because we're coaches. I'm just saying, why wouldn't you want to grow and learn how to be happier have more inner peace, success, and be independent. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? It's really rare that it happens on your own. It's called a miracle, actually. I think that's a great place to leave it. I've loved this conversation. I Every time I talk to you, I have such great energy. I want to, to give a plug to your Funky Brain podcast because it is awesome. And I know you have great guests and content out there, but if people want to get in touch with you and learn more, how can they best do that? Uh, well, you can get all through all of it through the website, which is dennisberry.com. And on there, there's links to the podcast and my book and um, uh, coaching, yeah. you know, schedules and all that, all that stuff is on there. But um, that's the best way. Great. And I'll put that, of course, in the show notes. But in case anyone's just listening, it's Dennis Berry with an E, B-E-R-R-Y, if you want to find Dennis. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Casey. It was a great talk. Let's do it again sometime. We always have great talks. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. 
I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.